Welcome to the Horizon Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our mission as a church is to win people to Jesus Christ, disciple people in Jesus Christ, and send people for Jesus Christ. If you'd like to learn more or partner with us, simply go to horizon.org. We hope this episode encourages you in your walk with Jesus as you continue to grow in His love and truth. Now, let's join Pastor Bob as we study God's Word together. Hey, if you have a Bible, love for you to find the book of Isaiah with me. Isaiah chapter 40. Kids, you got a activity bag on your way into church this morning. Uh, if not, grab one of our children's ministry workers. They've done an, an amazing job, again, of giving you something to work on that's going to tie into this morning's message. And I'd like to share with you a message of prophecy, probably from one of the most popular valleys, and yet a valley that goes unnamed in Scripture. It's a prophecy that was made famous by John the Baptist. And you're like, well, Bob, that would be the New Testament. I know it would be the New Testament, except for the fact that John the Baptist in his ministry is quoting the Old Testament and declaring a prophecy that is first proclaimed and written for us in Isaiah chapter 40, I would say one of the most beautiful sections in all of Scripture. And then we'll receive communion together and uh, look forward to a great evening back in celebration uh, tonight. Everybody good? You comfy? Isn't it great that on the seventh day the Lord rested under an umbrella, just like you. Great having you here. Welcome. Welcome to everybody who's in the sanctuary, everyone who's watching online, everyone sitting in your cars, everyone here picnicking on the grass. We have a pretty incredible fall lineup for you uh, just to take note of. Uh, jot down as opportunities of ministry as we continue through this series, Victory in the Valley. My son, Mitch, who performed a wedding here yesterday for one of our staff members, uh, did an amazing job, and I was texting him back and forth, sending him some of my wedding notes over the years. Just great to see how the Lord's raising him up. He's got a message in this series uh, that he's excited to share, and so... Uh, that's coming up. Don't miss that. If you've heard Mitch, he oversees our youth ministry here at the church. Uh, if you've heard him preach, you know the Lord has really gifted him and blessed him. And uh, You know, it was seven years ago yesterday that my pastor went home to be with the Lord, Pastor Chuck Smith. Seven years ago already, yesterday. I miss him every day. I miss him every time I study. Uh, I posted a picture of him on Instagram yesterday on the anniversary of his passing away. And I sort of feel like that. I feel like a proud papa, like Chuck watched these younger guys and this new generation uh, step up to the plate and for the Holy Spirit just to anoint them and bless them and carrying the torch and passing the baton. Like all of a sudden I'm the old, big-eared, wrinkled Yoda guy and there's these young Skywalkers. And so Mitch is going to share in this series uh, uh, in the weeks to come. And we also have Will Graham coming. How blessed are we with the friends and partners we have in ministry here at Horizon? Will Graham is a dear friend, grandson of Dr. Billy Graham, the son of Franklin Graham. We were on the phone talking this last week, and I was telling him about you guys and how you're showing up 
even in the heat and how we're gathering together, I think one of the only churches in the county that is actually meeting together, gathering together, and he's like, Bob, I haven't preached in eight months. I said, well, come on out. And so he's going to come this fall in person and join with us in this series. From a musical standpoint, one of our favorite musicians is Aaron Schust. And Aaron is scheduled to also be with us this fall. And if you want all of the updates and insights in that, make sure that um, you're going to the website, horizon.org, or even better, uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel or follow me on Instagram. And I'll give you all of the insights because in addition to Aaron Schust and Mitch and Will Graham, we have Ben Corson, one of the most anointed spokespersons right now for this generation. He has a brand new book out and Ben's going to be joining us. And then maybe someone you've never heard of before, but is a rising star musically. Her name is Tyrion. You can follow her on Instagram as well. I am Tyrion. She travels with Toby Mac, and she's going to be coming and joining us for one of our nights of worship as well. And if you follow me on Instagram, you also get some pretty awesome pictures of my grandkids. <laughs> so you got that going for you too. Uh, excited about what the Lord has in store for us. Don't miss any of that, church. Look at chapter 40 with me. Isaiah 40, you got it? Say, got it? Verse 1, comfort. Yes, comfort my people. Even now, Lord, comfort us with a little cool breeze off the ocean in Jesus' name. Comfort. Comfort my people, says the Lord. Talk about victory in the valley. Look what he says. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her. And that's actually the craft and activity the kids are working on right now. And if you missed being here in person and your kids didn't get that activity, you could email us and we'll be happy to send it to you. Comfort, speak comfort to Jerusalem. Cry out to her that her warfare is ended. Remind her that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. You're like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, double? Like, is that double trouble? Actually, it's the opposite. It's a double portion of his mercy and grace. In light of all of our sins, in all of our guilt, in all of our shame, he has wiped it clean and removed it as far as the east is from the west, and now doubles down and says, for their sins, a double portion of my blessing and grace and pardon and forgiveness be upon you. Speak comfort to the land. Hallelujah. We have a message of great news to share. And here's that famous valley that John the Baptist himself made famous. Verse 3, a voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley, every valley shall be exalted. God's with you in the midst of your pandemic. He's with you in the midst of your plague. He's with you in the midst of your valley. And every valley shall be exalted. The circumstances that you find yourself faced with, every mountain and hill will be brought low, and the crooked places will be made straight, and the rough places will be made smooth. For the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. 
And a voice said, cry out. And he said, what shall I cry? Cry this, cry this. All flesh is grass. All of its loveliness is like a flower of the field. The grass withers and the flower fades because the breath, the word, the word of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass and the grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of the Lord, come on church, declare it with me. The word of the Lord stands forever. O Zion, you who bring good tidings, get up in the high mountain, O Jerusalem. You who bring good tidings, lift up your voice with strength. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord God shall come with a strong hand. His arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him, and he will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. You want to talk about a valley? Look at this next verse. Look at this. Look at this next verse. Look up here for a second. This verse is going to describe a valley that is found in the hollow of God's hand. Look at this verse. Who has measured the waters, like the waters of the earth? Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Measured heaven with a span and calculated the dust of the earth in a measure. He has weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. Who's directed the spirit of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has taught him anything at all? With whom did he take counsel? And who instructed him and taught him in the path of justice? Who taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? It's almost as if Isaiah is having his own Job encounter. Do you remember all of the questions that Job, like, well, man, well, I've got some questions. i got a list of questions. You just wait till I'm up there. I want some answers to my questions. And God blows Job out of the water. And in a very similar fashion, Isaiah is now experiencing that. In fact, Oswald Chambers describes it this way. Chambers says, in every one of us, look up here for a second, under all the umbrellas. Check it out. Can you see me in your cars up on the big screen? Listen. In all of us, there's a little I am, and there's a great I am. And if Isaiah 40 is doing anything for us today, kids, listen to this. This is a passage. This chapter is speaking specifically to youth, to the next generation. And we got to get this straight. This is the chapter that gets the roles correct that the culture has reversed. There is a little I am, and there's a great I am. And God is now declaring the difference. He's like, um, who did I ever seek counsel from? There's the little I am. Who did I ever need help with when I was measuring out the mountains on a scale and the waters in the hollow of my hand? There's a little I am and a great I am. And Isaiah 40 is describing the effects of the little I am still calling the shots and ruling the roost. 
The little I am in Isaiah 40 is going to just like going toe to toe with the great I am, trying to dialogue, trying to reason, trying to debate, trying to argue. It's sort of like the parent of a one and a half year old. If you've ever dialogued or debated or tried to, to argue or reason with your one and a half year old, you're probably not even here right now because your one and a half year old is running the house. But the parent that is trying to dialogue and debate and reason with the one-and-a-half-year-old, I can tell you right now, they're feeling defeated, and they're feeling exhausted, and they're feeling discouraged. And it kind of comes to that tipping point, doesn't it, in Isaiah chapter 40, as to who we're going to trust in and rely upon where the strength of getting through this valley is concerned. Allowing, ultimately, the little I am to be dissolved into the great I am. Some will push back and say, no, 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 Bob, we want to develop the personality of the, of the small I am. No, we do not. We want to die to ourselves. We want to deny ourselves. We want to allow our lives to be shaped and molded and formed by the great I am. Come on, someone say amen to that this morning. That's exactly what Isaiah 40 is speaking of. It's not about love. Love is established. It's not going anywhere. It's unconditional. It's about roles. It's about who's in charge. And we were always having to remind our three kids, you're not in charge, okay? Yeah, okay, you're the boss of your toys. That's it. And ultimately, it's allowing the little I am, the rebellious streak, the sinful nature in all of us to come under the leadership and sovereign providence of the great I am because he stands head and shoulders above all that we could ever hope or ask or think. Behold, the nations are as a drop in the bucket to him. That's what verse 15 declares. Look at it with me. And are counted as the small dust on the scales. Look, he lifts up the islands as a very little thing. Maui, bing. Lebanon is not sufficient to burn. All nations before him are as nothing, and they are counted by him less than nothing and worthless. Isn't it amazing that Lebanon would be mentioned as a burnt offering since the harbor of Beirut just went up a few weeks ago? To whom then will you liken God, this great I am? And ultimately, this is what the craft and the activity that our kids are in the midst of, of, of constructing right now is meant in every, in every way and for every day to remind us of whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare to him? The workman molds an image, the goldsmith overspreads it with gold, and the silversmith casts silver chains. Whoever is too impoverished for such a contribution chooses a tree that will not rot and seeks for himself skillful workmen to prepare a carved image that will not totter. This is nonsense. This is Isaiah saying, don't settle in any way, shape, or form for allowing the little I am to rule life and call the shots. Which leads us to verse 21. Look at it with me. Look what he says. Have you not known? Modern day vernacular, put it into the present tense of how we speak today. What's Isaiah saying? Are you clueless? 
Have you no clue? Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundation of the earth? It is he, the great I am, who sits above the circle of the earth and inhabits are all like grasshoppers. Little I am compared to great I am, the inhabitants of the little I am are like little teeny grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a curtain, spreads them out like a tent to dwell in, and brings the princes to nothing, and the judges of the earth useless. Look at verse 27, Isaiah 40, verse 27. He, he wraps this up, he sums it up, he says, So why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, that my way is hidden from the Lord? My just claim is passed over by my God. That he could care less that he's not interested. Oh, contraire, dear friends. Have you no clue? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, he neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable and he gives power to the weak. To those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord, come on, church, claim it with me. Read it out loud. They, what? Shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not fade. Oh, do we need to be reminded of this on an ongoing and continual basis, which leads us to the mezuzah in the kids' activity bag. Let me catch you up to speed on what they're making. They're making a mezuzah, looks like this, and they're gonna paint it out so that ultimately whatever color they choose looks like this. The mezuzah literally in Hebrew means doorpost. It's the reminder of who the great I am is as you enter into every situation. And they're on the doorpost, not just the front door, but in every room, in every instance, in every circumstance, in every situation, you would be reminded that he is with you, the great I am. And tucked into the mezuzah, you see the cavity in the back? There would be a verse, and the kids get to, they get to color it, and this one, actually, this one here they gave me. Trust in the Lord, Proverbs chapter 3, a lot of them would choose the Shema, the Shema of Israel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one, and you will love him with all your heart and with all your mind and with all your soul and with all your strength. The mezuzah was the reminder of this. It's not just a made-up tradition. It's actually instructed to us in Deuteronomy chapter 6 to write on the doorposts of your house and on the doorposts of your heart you see, you would place this mezuzah at the door and it would be mounted so that it's leaning in to where the door is opening as if the presence of the Lord is walking into that situation or circumstance with you. That his word is coming alive. And his presence is there. And, 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 and the Orthodox, they would see the mezuzah on the, on the door and they would touch it with their fingers and then they would kiss the fingers that had touched the mezuzah. It was that sacred. It was that special. And on every mezuzah is placed the first letter of God's name. The letter Shin. Everyone say Shin. The letter Shin from God's name, Shaddai, El Shaddai. 
Remember, Amy Grant used to sing that over us, right? If you're part of my generation, you remember, El Shaddai. And translated into English has, has, has several meanings. One of them, God is my provider. God is my protector. God is my defender. And that's mounted on the doorpost of my heart and whatever room I'm walking into, that he is with me, that he's my defender, that he's my fierce warrior. And that letter Shin is shaped like a W. The first letter in God's name, shaped like a W, that letter is in Hebrew, which for centuries people have also believed would represent the three topographical valleys of Jerusalem, shaped exactly like that W that we're reminded of on the mezuzah of the, of the first letter in God's name, El Shaddai, protector, provider, fierce warrior, that as he's watching and defending over the valleys of Jerusalem, he's watching and defending over you in your valleys. Amen. Amen. So what are those three valleys of Jerusalem? Real quickly, the first one, most famous, most well-known is the Kidron Valley. The Kidron Valley was east of Jerusalem. It separated Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives. And in order to get there, you would pass through the gate called Beautiful or, or, the, or the Golden Gate. Strategically, that valley needed to be defended because of the armies that would march towards Jerusalem from the east. That's Moab. From the east, that's Jordan. That's, that's Assyria. That's, that's Nineveh. Back in the days of Jonah, that's, that's Arabia. All of them Marching, 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 and this valley would be the strategic stronghold of defense between all that would be marching against Jerusalem and Jerusalem itself. It actually split Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives. The Kidron Valley, literally Kidron means dark. It means deep. It was a dark, deep valley and ravine that actually, as you well know, shows up many times in the ministry of Jesus. We know that on a daily basis, he would travel. Now just think of the symbolism of it. He would travel through that dark, deep valley and would do so symbolizing the defense that he is now capable of providing you with in the midst of your deep, dark valley. For who else can measure the waters of the earth in the hollow of his hand? We know that he passed through the Kidron Valley on his way to heal Lazarus, who's now been dead for several days. In fact, so dead for so long that his sisters try and talk Jesus out of it. Oh, no, 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 Jesus, bad idea. You don't want to roll that stone away now. He's going to stink real bad. And Jesus says, roll the stone away. He had to pass through the dark valley of the Kidron Ravine in order to heal and rise Lazarus from the dead. We also know that he rode through the Kidron Valley on a donkey as he would approach Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, knowing the death and agony that was waiting for him at the end of that Palm Sunday parade. We know that after he celebrated Passover, the, the Lord's Supper in the upper room with the disciples, that they would then leave the upper room and travel through the Kidron Valley to the Garden of Gethsemane, which is located in the Kidron Valley. 
And there he would kneel down and he would pray and he'd invite his disciples who were very sleepy at the time to pray along with him. And he agonized and actually prayed to his father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. That even in Jesus, there was a surrendering of the little I am for the greater purpose of allowing God's will to be accomplished. Wow. And we know that in the Kidron Valley, Judas would show up and betray him. And he'd be arrested and turned over to the Roman soldiers that would lead him through the Kidron Valley to the high priest's house. And so this valley, even today, represents our fears. Those dark ravines in the depths of our soul and hearts and questions we might have that even Job had and, and Isaiah is settling with the Lord in chapter 40, this, this valley represents the victory that Jesus has provided for us over our greatest fears, over our greatest enemy. Do you know the Kidron Valley today presently is the largest Jewish graveyard in the world? The patriarchs and the prophets and the number of Jewish families throughout the generations that have been buried in the Kidron Valley, second to none. In fact, it's in that Kidron Valley that David himself faced one of his worst nightmares. Not Goliath. That was over in the Elah Valley. Pastor Steve Case took us through that study several weeks ago in the series and the Lord certainly gave David the victory over Goliath in that valley. But in the Kidron Valley, do you know who he faced? He faced the brutal division from within that was caused by the rebellion of his own son, Absalom. And even there, God was faithful to deliver David and give him the victory. The Kidron Valley points to the fact that God, through his Son, has given us the victory over our greatest fears, our greatest enemies, given us the victory over death itself. But it's not the only valley that's been made famous through this first letter in God's name that appears on every mezuzah throughout the world. The second valley was the Tyropian Valley. The Tyropian Valley was the valley to the north of Jerusalem. Kidron Valley to the east of Jerusalem. Tyropian Valley to the north, named by Josephus. And it was the strategic defense of the northern side of Jerusalem. From the north you have Damascus, the Syrians, the Turks, the Ottoman Empire. And ultimately, the Tyropian Valley was also known as the Central Valley. Now, those of us that are from California are very familiar with the Central Valley because it runs straight up the middle of our state. It happens to be where my daughter-in-law is from. It's the breadbasket that feeds not just Californians, but a good part of the entire world. In other words, the Tyropian Valley, the Central Valley that ran through Jerusalem 
was the commerce and business artery that kept life moving and going. And some think that the cash-in benefit of trusting in God is something that only begins after you die, that, yeah, he's given you the victory over all that the Kidron Valley would represent, but no, that is so short-sighted and myopic, for he also gives us the victory in life over your central artery of commerce and business. So maybe the mezuzah needs to go on the doorpost of your office. Ladies and gentlemen, that every day we would be reminded of trusting in the Lord that has given you the gifts and abilities to conduct all that he has given you a calling and a love for conducting. That central valley through Jerusalem would run right through the middle of town past the Temple Mount, along the Wailing Wall, past the shops and the market. In fact, Tyropian literally means cheesemaker. It's like a, if you've ever been, it's just like a big farmer's market in the old city of Jerusalem with spice shops and meat shops and cheese shops with bridges that would go over that valley, the, the Zion Bridge, the Robinson Arch, that God has given to us his son to bring victory in our life as well as victory over death. He's a way maker and a victory over life even in the midst of a pandemic when some of you even right now are feeling like, Bob, my liberties and my freedoms are being pulled away from me. I'm being constrained from what I really want to do. I can't even send my kids to school. Well, you ought to consider Horizon Prep. We're in school every single day. No, but I can't even go to the skate park. I know if you love to skate, your skate parks have been filled in with sand. And if you love to surf, as many of our men's ministry and even women in the women's ministry love to surf, don't ask me to explain it, but for a good portion of this pandemic, they even shut down the beaches. Hard to get out and go to the mall. Still wanting to make it out to your favorite restaurant. But here, isn't it amazing, in Isaiah chapter 40, it's as if the Lord is lifting us above and saying, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. For the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom, for he has given you victory in life that can never be taken away from you. It is sealed and determined and guaranteed. He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'll be with you even to the end of the age. So in life, he gives us the victory. Over death, our greatest fear, he gives us the victory. And then the third valley, Gehenna. Gawada, Gehenna. The third valley of Jerusalem, Gehenna, was to the south. And by south, I mean down, because Gehenna represented hell. And 11 times in his ministry, Jesus spoke of Gehenna. This valley south, way down south of Jerusalem itself. James, the half-brother of Jesus, mentions Gehenna when he says that our tongues can't be tamed that they're actually lit on fire by the fires of Gehenna. This valley, Gehenna, or Hinnom, as it's known throughout the Old Testament, the Valley of Hinnom, has a very, very sad history. And yet worth noting, because in this sad history, again, we can claim together the merciful grace and victory that Jesus Christ has given us, even over a valley known as Gehenna. You know who was worshipped in the valley of Gehenna? A, a god by the name of Molech. 
And the way in which Molech was worshipped, parents, I'll leave that up to you to Google and discover, and it will disgust you. It actually took place there in Gehenna, in a town called Tophet, which literally in Hebrew means fire, means drums, and it was a picture of hell. It was a picture of separation and judgment. It was a picture of punishment. And probably as much as Moloch in a very sad and horrific way made this valley so hellish, it was also Judas himself. That after he regretted what he had done and brought the silver back to the temple and threw it on the pavement, was not absolved of his sin and went out to the valley of Gehenna and hung himself. And yet, in this valley, we can declare this morning because of the elements that you hold in your hand that represent communion, that Jesus has given us victory, not over simply death and life, but over punishment and wrath and judgment forever. In fact, I found this most amazing passage. If you're still in Isaiah, the band's going to come out, and we'll just wrap up our time as we prepare to celebrate communion together by turning one book over to the book of Jeremiah. Look at Jeremiah chapter 19, would you please? Boy, this went along so well with the mezuzah itself. And kids, I do. I hope as your pastor this morning you would find a strategic place together with your folks, to mount that mezuzah and be reminded that the Lord is with you. And he's given you victory over every angle and degree and issue and circumstance and situation to which you'll ever be faced with. And is watching over and defending of the valleys of Jerusalem. It confirms it. Because if he's watching over them, he's watching over you. He's watching over you right now with constant love and forever joy. Jeremiah chapter 19 and verse 1, it says, Thus says the Lord, go and get a potter's earthen flask. You know, the first mezuzahs that were ever discovered were made of an earthen flask, like pottery. You can still see them today in the Israeli Museum. And here this prophecy in Jeremiah chapter 19 says that they're to take that earthen potter's flask, take some of the elders of the people and some of the elders of the priests and go out to the valley of the son of Hinnom, Gehenna, which is by the entrance of the potsherd gate and proclaim these words that I will tell you and say, hear the word of the Lord. O kings of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, behold, I will bring such a catastrophe on this place that whoever hears of it, his ears will tingle. Why, Bob, why? Why, why? What's going on? Because they have forsaken me. And they have made this an alien place because they have burned incense in it to other gods whom neither they or their fathers or the kings of Judah have known, and they have filled this place with the blood of the innocents, which is how Moloch, the false god, was worshipped. It's that tragic point in allowing the little I am to outrule the great I am. 
To that extent, they would build high places of Baal and burn their sons with fire for burnt offerings to Baal, which I did not command or speak, nor did it even come to my mind. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that this place shall no longer be called Tophet or the Valley of the Son of Hinnom, but the Valley of Slaughter. Okay, that's sad. That's tragic. Except when we realize that even in this valley, he has given us the victory. That he allowed in our place for his life to be shattered. Almost as if he was the mezuzah. And it in its earthen vessel-like pottery form would be shattered up against the wall as his body was when he took our place on the cross. And in doing so, the word of God, the love of God, the mercy of God would no longer be restrained or held back behind the curtain, but access would be made available and grace would be bestowed. He was shattered as a sacrifice for our freedom that there would be liberty for us in the midst of the valleys that we face and liberty and freedom over death in all affairs of our commerce and life and over all of the judgment and wrath and punishment that we deserve. His body broken as an earthen flask and vessel in exchange for our victory and triumph. Church, can you just praise God for a moment for his grace and mercy in your life and all that he has accomplished for you? Would you just give him praise this morning? Come on, lift your voice. Give him praise. Let's stand together. Why don't you stand with me? Why don't you step out of your cars? Why don't you prepare to receive communion with me in light of the realization that if he is looking over and defending the valleys of Jerusalem, he's only doing so as a reminder that he's looking after you. He sees us desperately wants to be a part of every aspect of our life and every room that we would walk into. As he defends Jerusalem, he is faithful to watch over and defend you. And nothing proves it more than the elements that you hold this morning as you stand in his presence, the victory of the cross. The victory of the cross, church. That together we can declare in light of whatever we're faced with that there is nothing that will ever separate us from the love of Christ. No tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. For your sake we're killed all the day long and accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all of these things, we are more than conquerors. through him who loved us. The victory is ours in Jesus' name, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels or principalities or powers or things present or things to come or height or debt or any created thing will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. God, we give you praise. You are the great I am. We humble ourselves before you. 
and gratefully receive now all that you have accomplished for us when you took our place on the cross. A victory over death. A victory in all affairs of our life. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And a victory over punishment and wrath and judgment that we deserve for you were slaughtered so we could be set free. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Let's sing this together as we celebrate communion in Jesus' name for the glory of God. Thanks for joining the Horizon Church Podcast with Pastor Bob. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast channel. And if this message has blessed you, please share it either directly or on social media. If you live in the San Diego area, we'd love to have you join us at a weekend service. Or to catch our live stream, visit horizon.org slash live every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Pacific. If you'd like to learn more or partner with us, simply go to horizon.org. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We'll see you next time.